Amen, huh? Christmas presents, God with us, Emmanuel. Uh, we are so glad you are with us too. We're starting this series over the next few weeks. And, you know, when God put this on our heart, my heart, and our team's heart uh, a few months back, it was really, I, I think, knowing that coming out of our sermon uh, series on kingdom living and, and talking about what does it mean to live for Jesus, that as we came into the Christmas season, we really needed to center in on what matters most. The fact that he wants to be present with us. And uh, I just want to say, if, if you missed last week's wrap-up to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Eric Smith, our board chair, did a phenomenal job. Uh, he really did. And uh, set us up so well as we head into this new series and really talk about what does it mean that God wants to be present with us, to listen, to obey him, to follow him. And uh, so as we dive into this, uh, I got to tell you, uh, God gave me a completely different text and message on Wednesday than I thought I was going to be preaching today. So uh, giddy up, right? Like, here we go. I, I, he just put something completely different on my heart for today. And I think it's uh, definitely from him. It's this idea of presence over presence. That, that his presence matters more than the presence. And as we dive into this today, I think it's going to make a lot of sense. You know, at the beginning of 2023, which is hard to believe that we're talking about like the end of 2023, right? But at the beginning of the year, God had really laid on my heart this reality that he wanted me to be there. Just that phrase, those were my two words for the year, be there. And, and, and I knew God was inviting me to be more fully present, more fully aware of the moments and time I was in, of, of his presence in that. And it's been quite the year as, as we've walked through so many different things in our family and as a church family to really ask myself the question, am, am I fully present? Let, let me ask you, are you fully present? Like right now, right here, are you fully present and, and aware? Like some of you are like, oh, that's right, where am I? You made it to church, praise God. It's December 17th, right? And, and we are getting ready for Christmas. But the question sometimes, are we fully present, means we have to slow down. We have to begin to look around and be aware of what's happening. Uh, if you've ever flown, uh, last week I, I had the chance to, to preach in, uh, at our sister church in Kansas City. And uh, so my son went with me and uh, we flew on Southwest and uh, I forgot to check in on time, which meant that uh, if you know anything about that airline, it meant that you don't have an assigned seat. And so we were one of the last ones to board a sold-out flight from Orlando to Kansas City. And so I told him getting on, I'm like, buddy, I screwed up. Like, this is going to mean middle seat. And unfortunately, we didn't check our bags, so we had to find overhead compartments, right? And so I knew we were going to get separated, and so we get onto the flight, and all of that, that hurry and, and the stress of, of trying to figure that out with my son, uh, I really wasn't fully present or paying attention to who was around us. I was just trying to get my bag put away and find a seat. You ever been there? I mean, sometimes that's the way life is. Now, as I sat down in my seat, the guy next to me, I could, I, honestly, I watched him and I'm like, he doesn't want me to sit with him because he had a middle seat. And so I'm like, I, don't, I was like, dude, I don't know what your problem is, but we're going to talk about this when I sit down. <laughs> and, and so I finally get sat down, and he looks at me, and he's like, 
you don't know who that is, do you? He's like, dude, you could have sat next to Travis's, Kelsey's mom. Let me show you a picture. Because I got, I got literally on a flight, and behind me in the black and red is Donna Kelsey. Now, if you're not a Chiefs fan or you haven't turned on the TV lately, you might not know she's, that she's probably the most famous mom in all of America right now. Sorry, moms, but, but she's pretty well known right now for a lot of reasons. There was a seat open next to her, and he wanted me to get to sit next to her, my, my son, to get to sit next to her, and we weren't present. We weren't aware. We didn't even realize it was her. So we get off the flight, and you know I got to talk to her, and she was amazing. Let me show you this picture with her. She was so down to earth, so kind, so humble. We, uh, truthfully, not only was she on a Southwest flight for, with us, uh, but I thought, you know, like, today you're on a flight with us. Tomorrow you're sitting with Taylor Swift in the press box. I'm waiting for the limo to pick her up. Y'all, she got on the rental shuttle bus with us. I could not believe it. So down to earth, so humble, so amazing. But if we weren't fully present and the guy next to me wasn't, we would have missed it, right? Uh, actually, the church that I preached at, uh, they had a season ticket holder, and uh, they blessed us. Let me show you the stadium. And uh, we got to go to the game. And I'm telling you, like, to watch it on TV is very different than this next picture uh, here is your pastor just having a great time and uh, being fully present in that stadium. It was unbelievable. Hard finish if you're a Chiefs fan, but there is such a difference between watching something and being present and a part of it. Are you tracking with me? And, and this is the reality of, of let me transition now to, to who God is. You see, there's this word, incarnation. It, it's this reality that the God of the universe, the creator, wants to be fully present with you and I. That, that he actually came and dwelt among us. And as we look at the text today, it invites us into his presence and, and to realize who he wants to be in our lives. Turn with me to John chapter 1. And uh, we're going to pick up with the first five verses here. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Greek there for Word is logos, and it's actually referring to, to Jesus and, and the reality of the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit present in creation. As we read on, you'll see this. That, that actually Jesus was there, the Spirit was there, if you go back to the beginning in Genesis 1, that this is the creator God. And it says in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you're taking notes here, Jesus' presence is what we're talking about when we talk about presence over presence. And this presence gives us light and life, we learn here in this text. That, that actually in the beginning, when there was nothing, where the earth was without form and void and darkness was dominating, God showed up. God shows up and the Spirit hovers and, and Jesus is there and he begins to speak. And when God speaks, things happen. How many of you know 
that we need to hear God's voice. And, and he speaks and says, let there be light, and light happens, and as the world and creation unfolds, that world that is so beautiful, created in his image, that he said was good, and then as he looked at you and I said, very good, fell back into darkness when sin entered in. And, and as we pick up here in John 1, it's this reminder of who God is, that he's the God that says, I spoke then and said, let there be light. And I'm speaking again now through my son Jesus and saying, let there be light. I'm bringing light into darkness. I'm bringing life into the emptiness, into the void. It's an incredible reminder and invitation to be present with the God who is light in life. The theologian N.T. Wright says this, the one we know is Jesus is identical, it seems, with the word who is there from the very start, the word through whom all things were made, the one who contained life and light. The word challenged the darkness before creation and now challenges the darkness that is found tragically within creation itself. The word is bringing into being the new creation in which God says once more, let there be light. Can you say that with me? Let there be light. You see, he brings life and light. His presence makes a difference. You may feel like life has been difficult. You may feel that our world is getting darker, and you'd be right in many ways. But when we get into Jesus' presence and we experience his presence in our life, we experience life and light. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus said this. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not just believing in Jesus, but it's following Jesus. It's experiencing the life and light of Jesus and walking in that light in our world. If you're a Christ follower, you are called to be full of life and light, to share that with the world around you. That's our hope and prayer for each of us in this season. Amen. John 10, verse 10, Jesus said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There is a thief that would love to sweep you and I into darkness, to rob us of life, to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes at us often in ways that, that, that we don't always recognize when it's first happening. You know, the, the father of lies, the enemy, is very crafty. He's had years, years, millennia to figure out how to trick and manipulate. He doesn't want to be known. He just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when light, when darkness comes in to the light, light always wins. I mean, I mean turn on the lights at your house, light wins. Light always wins. So light comes in and begins to expose things that are not of God. And then the gift of life is present because Jesus is the best and the one that gives us life as it was meant to be. He invites us to life and life abundantly. Not just a life that is available when we pass on or he returns, but a life that's abundant today, now. A life that is to be lived for him. He's a great gift giver. And we need to be reminded sometimes that the giver is greater than the gift. It, it is so easy, right? Like when, when you're giving gifts to children or to others, you want them to experience a good gift. 
but you also hope that they realize who's behind that gift. And may this remind us in this season that that light and that life comes from a God who is the greatest gift giver. Some of you this time of year play fun games, right? White Elephant Gift Exchange and Secret Santa and, and those kind of things. Our staff this week did a Secret Santa exchange. And each week, or each day this week, for three days, we, we had a gift. And I don't know who my, my giver is yet, but I, I know they're really good because they got me a cool gift that I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I can't wait to find out who's behind this gift. You want to see it? Here, here's one of the gifts I received this week. This was a coffee mug. <laughs> and, and it says, that for the tears of my pickleball opponents. And I'm like, I don't know who gave me that yet. But the giver is definitely greater the, than the gift in my mind. That is a brilliant gift, and I can't wait to see who had the creativity and humor to do that. The giver is greater than the gift. Can you say that with me? The giver is greater than the gift. Now, as we go on in this, John says in verses 6 through 8, their author, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is actually John's cousin, or Jesus' cousin John, that would be known as John the Baptist. It says, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. If you're taking notes, Jesus' presence doesn't just bring life in light, it also reveals our true king. You see, John's going to bear witness John, in his own right, was doing miracles. He was seeing people repent and, and be baptized, be converted to the faith at that time as they knew it. And, and many of you know, like, we have family, right? And, and sometimes our cousins are not necessarily, like, we all have. Like, and if you don't know if you have a dysfunctional cousin, then you might be the dysfunctional cousin in your family. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's just reality, right? Like, we all got a family tree and you know, there's some funny fruit on those trees sometimes, right? And, and so I, I think it's even more incredible when you look at the fact that Jesus and John were born within a few months of each other, grew up together. And, and yet there's this reality that John doesn't get swept up in his own grandeur. He doesn't get swept up in his own pridefulness. Throughout the process, there's this sense, even from his birth, uh, we'll see in a minute that, that prior to his birth, that there was something in John that recognized the true king. And, and it's interesting how witnesses, right, they bear witness and tell a story. And that story is often revealing what we really believe and who is our real true king. You see, when Jesus comes, he comes as the true king. It's not King Brian. It's not King fill in your name. It's King Jesus. And, and so much is revealed when we come in to God's presence about who is our true king. Let me take you to a moment in Luke chapter 1 that's a part of the Christmas story that we often hear. And this is an interaction between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John. We just read about John, and I want to show you that John recognized the true king even in the womb. This is pretty amazing. Verse 39, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, 
to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, this is John, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me, the mother of the Lord, the mother of the king, she's saying. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed. Can you say believed? Believed Believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What we need to understand here is Jesus' presence reveals our true king. Because when the king showed up, John leaped. When the king was showing up in Mary's life, she obeyed, she believed. I, I just wonder, like for us, what his presence would, if we look back over the last year, what would it reveal about our true king? What aspects of, of God's presence is he inviting you into to allow him to, to really be the king, to be Lord? And, and as you think about that, where are the areas where God's saying, hey, let me be king, listen for my voice, follow my plan, believe in what I want to do? Because we are blessed, as Mary was, when we follow and obey the true king. And I love in this story the, the reality. It's really kind of hit me this year. Uh, it was actually a couple weeks ago, about 10 days ago, actually, in one of our staff prayer times. That as I'm reading this passage, I realize that it, it's bearing witness about the true king. That there's moments in our life where I think God wants some of us to be like Elizabeth. We're actually, because we recognize the king and what he's doing in somebody else's life, we become an encourager. Like, y'all, we need some encouragement in our world today, don't we? Everything is negative. Everything is, feels dark and divisive. And, and I just wonder, like, if he's your king and you begin to see the activity of the king in another, what would it look like for you and I to be like Elizabeth? To say, I see it, I celebrate it, I, I'm leaping for joy. Something in me just leapt because I see what God is doing. It's a word for somebody today because he's getting ready to move in your life. And it's not going to be just because he's moving in you. It's because you're going to begin to have eyes to see his presence and celebrate and share and be an encourager. We need more encouragement. Now, this true king concept, what happened later as John is in a moment where people are coming to him, uh, people are being baptized, crowds are there, but now there's a shift happening, and it's beginning to move towards the real Messiah, Jesus. Listen to what he says in John 3.30. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's when you know that John really understood who the real king was, is when humility began to take over, when it began to be less about him and more about him. What does that look like? What story is your life telling? What are you bearing witness to if you really take inventory? Would others look at your life and say, yeah, they're bearing witness, 
They're telling the story of who their true king is. Or would they look at your life, how you spend your time, your money, your energy, your conversations, and when they say it looks a lot like everybody else, I think they're their true king. It's a hard question to wrestle with, but we need to, to wrestle with it because John is setting in motion something for us that can be life-changing. A heart that says he must increase and I must decrease. Now, we're going to go on here in the text in John chapter 1 today. As we look at presence over presence in verse 9, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you're taking notes here, Jesus' presence demands a decision based on trust. You see, what we see in the text here is some very nuanced things that we need to, to understand. That, that in fact, it's saying that there's a name we believe in, and for them in the first century and in the Jewish context in particular, a name carried more than just like a name that you were legally or given by your parents. It actually represented your character. It represented who you were. It, it carried the weight of, of how you lived and what you represented. So to believe in the name is more than to just believe in Jesus as an idea or as a thought, but it's to believe in the essence, the very presence of who he is and the goodness and life that he brings. It is far deeper that the name is actually something that indicates to believe is to also trust. Can you say trust? This is the area God has been convicting me of probably the most over the last few months. <laughs> Confessions of a pastor. That God has been bringing me back to, do you trust me? Do you actually trust me? Not just in thought, not just in idea, but in reality. Because he is trustworthy. And when we begin to actually say, okay, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus cognitively, but I also have connected my head and heart and I believe in him. And trust him. That's when things really begin to change. It's the idea that we trust him with all of me. Do you really trust God with all of you? Because it says, born not of the will of man, but of God. So if God is moving in our life, we have to come to a place of decision. It, you see, it said that some would reject him while others would receive him. And boy, do we see that all over our world still today. That there's a decision, do we reject him or do we receive him? If you're taking notes, to believe in the name, again, is to trust all of him with all of me. It's also to receive all of the life that he has for us as his adopted children. It says that when we believe in the name and we receive him, that we'll be born of the will of God. That he actually looks at you and I and says, 
You were once lost, you were once in darkness, but I'm shining my light on you. I'm inviting you to life and life abundantly. And, and as that happens, we're now adopted in to the family of God. That adoption means that you, you are now his children. Full identity in Christ, full inheritance in Christ. Some of us have families that have wrestled with inheritances. It gets weird with money, doesn't it? Nobody? I mean, it gets weird. And, and here's God saying, listen, you don't have to, to fight over this inheritance that I have for you. Because when you are adopted by me, all that I have, God says, is yours. That, that you and I are invited into a relationship where he says, I've given you a new identity. And it's not based on your will or anyone else's, it's based on mine. And when we begin to receive that as the gift it is, it changes how we show up on Sundays, how we show up on Mondays. Because we begin to believe the best that God isn't going to allow us to miss what he has for us. That his best is what he wants to give to us. And sometimes all he's looking for is, will we let go to trust and to receive all that he has, all that he wants to give us? So I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know if, if you've received or if you're rejecting. I don't know if it's a moment in time where Maybe you've been around religion, but it hasn't been a relationship yet with Jesus. Or, or maybe you have that relationship with Jesus on Sundays or that moment where you are invited into worship, but you're living for a different king during the week. May th this be that moment where you say, okay, God, I want, I want life to be different. I want all that you have for me. I want to really trust you and receive and this last verse today in John 1.14 is where we finish. And again, it's, it invites us to be reminded of who we're deciding because he's decided first to be with us. Verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you're taking notes here, Jesus' presence transforms our real life. You see, it says that he was, it's the doctrine of the incarnation that God came and dwelt among us. Fully God and fully man, Jesus came and dwelt among us. In real life, he was present. He was here. He was one of us. It's why as he lived his life and that eventually went to the cross and was resurrected, that he can relate to you and I into real life. He wept. He got tired. He was tempted. He went through things that you and I go through, and that makes him the one that can relate to us more than any other. He transforms our real life because he's also full of grace and truth. Norman Cross, a theologian, C. Norman Cross, says this about this idea of the incarnation and becoming flesh. He says, the original import of the words become flesh is that the word was embodied in an earthly human existence. 
This becoming flesh was not merely a highly effective communication technique by which God could speak to us in our own language. It also defines God's very nature as agape. Can you say agape? Agape is a self-sacrificing, surrendered, whole kind of love. He says, we come to know the true nature of love and the fact that God fully shared our human existence. It's actually in this translation known as uh, the message that Eugene Peterson, in paraphrasing the Bible, says that this idea of God pitching a tent, it's like Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Can you imagine the heart of God, the heart of agape? That he wants to move into our neighborhoods, our lives. But that as he does that into our real life, it's not to leave us there. It's to meet us with his agape love. But it also said he's full of grace and truth. You see, grace is favor. It's a favor that is undeserved, unmerited. It's a favor that God gives you and I that says, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. So if I came out and sat down next to you right now, can you picture a God who says, I want to meet you right where you're at. I want to sit with you. I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. I want to give you a favor you don't deserve because I've seen your life, God says. I've I've seen who you are. I've seen you at your worst. But I still love you. I still have more for you. And, And that's where it says and, and that may be one of the most important ands in the Bible is that he says, I'm full of grace and truth. See, grace is favor. Truth is revelation. That God says, I want to reveal who you really are. I want to reveal what I really have for you. I want to bring truth into your life. That's what light does, is it brings truth into dark spaces. So what does it look like to say, God, I'm here, I'm yours, full of grace and full of truth. In Hebrews 2, uh, verses 14 through 18, this is where I'll close today in the text. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, just like Jesus shared in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's you and I when we believe in Jesus. Verse 17, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That is the agape love of God. When Jesus' presence comes into our life, when we understand the giver is greater than the gift, that his presence is greater than the presence, it begins to change us, transform us, That his grace meets us and his truth calls us to become more like him, to grow with him, 
to grow individually and in our families and as a church. So when you think about the fact that he can relate, he can sympathize, he can empathize with you, what are the things that maybe you've held back or are holding that he's saying, no, you can bring that to me. I want to enter in with you. I want to be close to you. I want to deal with real life, the real struggles and the real issues that you have. God is good, and he's able, and he's available. You know, this time of year is fun because we all have different traditions. And, you know, as we moved, uh, when we lived in Michigan, uh, we had a fireplace, and we actually needed it. And so as we came to Florida in 2020, we, we had to begin to adjust because, you know, like, it just isn't the same. But one of the things we've been doing this year is, you know, we have a TV in our living room and we found these amazing moving motion fireplaces. Let me show you one. And, you know, it's interesting how that can just set a vibe, set a mood. And we just turn that on in our living room and it kind of just changes things a little bit. I can't explain it to you. I don't think it's because the fire's really present. I think it's because we become more present in it. But if you look at that, you know there's a big difference between something on the screen, something out there, and something that's actually a little bit close. This is actually a little fire pit that passed our safety inspection and insurance and all those great things. I mean, there's a difference between what's on the screen and what's right here. I mean, there's obviously something that I can see and, and I can say, yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I understand that. It's on a screen and, and it can create in me an emotion and a feeling, but there's nothing like the real thing. There's nothing like the actual fire. You see, Jesus came to invite you and I to be close, to be near to the real presence and fire of God. He invites us to actually warm ourselves in his presence, to be around others that are doing the same. There's actually a, a moment, uh, Dr. Dwight L. Moody in Chicago years ago, <clears throat> he actually showed up at a parishioner's house, somebody who attended his church, hadn't, hadn't been there in a while, and, and he showed up, and, and in the dead of winter in Chicago, he, he walked in and, and joined this man who was sitting there at the fireplace, warming himself on a fire. And in that case, there were coals and embers, and, and, and he, he actually took the tongs, Moody did, and he pulled out the, the coal, and he set set it down on the ground. And you can imagine for a few seconds, it still burned bright. But then it began to go out. Sat in, sitting in silence, they watched it go out. And then there came the moment where he realized, okay, it's time for me to go. So he picked it up and he put it back in the fire. And what, what do you think happened? It began to light up again. It began to burn brightly again. Without saying a word, Moody got up and left. And as he left, the man looked at him and said, great sermon, pastor, I'll be there next Sunday. Because somehow, in some way, God spoke to his heart 
that, that I need to be present with God, but I also need to be present with others that are coming into the presence of God. Church, you need to know the greatest longing and desire of your pastor and our team is that we as a church would enter into his presence. That we would clear everything else, that we would say, God, it's your presence that matters. We want your light. We want your life. We want you to be king. We're deciding not to reject you, but to receive you. And we want you to transform our real lives. Have your way. So I'm going to pray us into a time of responding. There's three questions that are going to go on the screen. First is, have you received Jesus' light in life? Have you made that decision to say, yes, Jesus, I need you? Whether it's the first time or a recommitment, we want to invite you to do business with the Lord today, to come into his presence with the giver to receive his gift. Secondly, is your life telling the story of Jesus as your king? What areas is God saying, I want you to to change this and allow me to do my work and to be king? And third, will you invite Jesus' presence to transform your real life today? Come out of hiding. Come out of the places of holding back. He's here. He's safe. He's good. He's available. His agape love is present. What would it look like to come to him? Say, God, here I am. I need you. I'm going to pray us in. This whole space up here, from kneeling bench to kneeling bench, in front of the platform, all of it's available. Sometimes it helps when we leave our seat and come forward into his presence. But maybe right where you're at, God is meeting you with his presence. He transforms lives, real lives. Don't leave the same way you came in today. Open your heart, open your mind to his presence and what he has for you. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, Jesus, for your great love, that you bring light, you bring life, that you give us the opportunity to do life with you. Father, right now, we want to do business with you. We want to come before you. We invite your presence. You know every hurt in the room. You know every hang-up. You know every habit. You know every headache and worry, the anxieties, the fears, the temptations. You know all of it. You know what it's like to, to have a flesh that is just getting in the way. So, Father, we just invite your presence to come now. Shine your light. Pour out your love and life as we look to you, the name of Jesus above all else. May we trust in your name. May we follow your name. May you be the coming and risen King. This is your time, Lord. May your presence prevail. In Jesus' name, amen.